there are those who say that he still does. And Lord, it's something we have to experience for ourselves. And we're not talking about speaking in tongues. But it's our learning as it was said on the platform earlier. There's times we just don't know what to say. We really don't know how to pray. And your Holy Spirit has to teach us and minister to us in those moments. But he also has to teach us how to listen. To listen for your voice. To be able to discern your voice because there's so many voices and thoughts running through our mind. And Lord, we want to be able to hear from you. Would you minister to us through your word and would you speak? Because Lord, if we come here and listen and can take nothing home with us or nothing to chew on, then we just wasted time. And Lord, we don't want to waste time. If you are not real in our lives, Sunday morning is just a wasted time. But Lord, we come to be enriched by you. We come to hear from you. We come to be instructed by you through your Holy Spirit. Not through Pastor Brown, not through Megan, not through anyone else, but through your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we're expecting to hear from you. We're expecting you to teach us how to listen for your voice. We're expecting you to work in our lives and transform us and take us to a different height. We're expecting you to be the God that you really are in our lives. Not just someone we read about in history, But don't act now. You're still the same God who spoke and didn't do it. You're the same God that said you change not. You're the same God who spoke to Moses, to Aaron, to Abraham, to Joshua, to Paul, to Peter, to John. You're the same God. And Lord, I believe in this time, in this hour, you still want to speak to your people. Satan has us so busy. And we're so distracted from you. That you're not the main thing on our heart and our lives. Would you somehow change that, Lord? That, Lord... There's not a day, there's not too many hours that go through a day that we don't somehow think about you. Would you change our minds? Would you change our hearts? Would you teach us, oh God, to communicate with you even when nothing else is going on? And even when we need help at work, to just simply say, Lord, show me how to do this. Lord, help help me to do this. Lord, help me to minister to my co-worker. Lord, give me wisdom and discernment of how to speak. That, Lord, we become a people more dependent upon you than upon ourselves. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name.
communicating with God. It's talking and it's listening. And that's what communication really is. It's talking and listening. It's not just one way. Even the lecturer or professor has to take time to listen to their students, those who they are speaking to, to make sure that he's getting across to them what he really wants to get across to them because if they can't feed back to him, then they really haven't heard him. It's a dialogue. It's communicating with one another. Now the question is, why is it that we don't believe God talks to us? One, because society has told us if we hear a voice and nobody's speaking that we can see, then something's wrong, we're a little crazy, we've lost it, and we are strange, Uh, something's going on up there. And somehow we bought into that. That if we say we hear something that someone isn't present, then we've lost it. How many of you have lost your keys sometime and you just say, Lord, show me where my keys at? And you hear something say, look behind the couch or look over here or look there, you know. See, whenever the Lord don't answer me, I don't blame myself. I got somebody else in the house to blame because there's only two of us in the house. But the thing is that, why is it? We do not expect a living God that we said is alive and living. Doesn't Why don't you expect it? Why don't you expect God to talk to you? When you were small and mom or dad didn't say a word to you, they just looked at you and you knew they were talking to who? And somehow you changed your behavior. Not so much you could read their mind or know what was being said, but something was being said without being said. (laughs) But see, if you don't expect God to speak to you, and you don't condition yourself for God to speak to you, most likely you never will hear God speak to you. Turn with me to John chapter 5 and verse 37. John 5, 37. Because Scripture talks too often about God speaking, and if it's only just for scriptural time, and I want you to understand this. If God did not speak to the prophets of old, and he did not speak to the apostles, then how did we get this Bible? And the only other result of that is simply this. Man wrote it. God had no involvement in it. And if God didn't have any involvement in it, then we're just reading the thoughts of man and what man thinks about God. 
and how man has chosen to say, this is how you should conduct yourself, and this is how you should live, and this is what you must do for this, this, or that. So then it is strictly only a human thought about God. That's all the Bible could be narrowed down to. That is just a human thought about God, or how different individuals may have perceived God. And they just wrote it out. Or is God informing man what he is expecting of man? Now, it can't be both. It has to be one or the other. Either it's really God-breathed, it's really God-speaking, or it's man. If it's both, as some say, it's both, now how do you determine what God says and how do you determine what man says? It has to be one or the other. And you're the one that has to decide if this is God's living word spoken by him or it's just man's thoughts about God. One or the other. Now, in 537, he says, boy, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. In other words, the Father has given witness. The, the Father has spoken about Jesus. And we find that throughout Old Testament Scripture, coming on up through, that the Father had testified about his son, and even the forthcoming of his son. The father who sent me and and himself testified concerning me. You have never, now catch this, you have never heard his voice. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. Now to, to the people that he's talking to, they never heard his voice. Why? Historically, we know between Old Testament and New Testament, there is a gap of what? Approximately 400 years that we say 400 years of silence from God. He did not speak through prophets. He did not speak through anyone. But for 400 years, God chose to be silent. Those 400 years show us what man will do without God's interaction. It causes men to leave God's truth. And we see it in the Pharisees and the Sadducees and everyone else. They leave God's truth and begin to develop their own truth. They begin to write their own rules, their own regulations. So there's 400 years. So Jesus said, you never heard. Now, he also gives us a reason also why they may not have heard. He goes, you have never heard his voice nor seen his form. Now, I want you to hang on to that till we get to the very end of this message. You never heard nor seen his form, especially the form. 
38. Nor does his word dwell in you. Catch that. Underline that. If your word don't dwell, if his word doesn't dwell in you, most likely you're not going to never hear from God. If his word does not dwell in you, that's the starting point. Most likely, you'll never hear from God. As far as you serving him. Balaam heard from God. Don't curse Israel. (laughs) Balaam heard from God. And even said, he can't curse what God has blessed. And he goes on. Nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You don't really believe. And a lot of us don't believe that God wants to speak to us, but yet we say in irony, I'm his child. Show me a parent that doesn't speak to their child. God wants to speak to us. Now, I know that's a word that is hard to describe because we think he speaks in the same way we speak to each other. God isn't out to hold a long conversation with you or with me. Have you ever heard the word stop? And you wonder where it comes from? Or you hear the word no. Or you hear the word go over there. Or you hear the word, just say this. It's not long, drawn out conversation. Why? God is directing our lives. He's directing our lives. He's the one at work. He's the one who's doing it. In the most minute little things in your life, God wants to direct. And as one person said, God wants to be all up in your business. And guess what? We're trying to do everything we can do to keep him out of our business, out of our life, out of the things that we do. And we've taught ourselves in one sense not to talk about, not to talk to God about our business until we help get in that position. And he says, the word of God doesn't dwell. That's one of the first things you need to understand. If God's word is not part of your everyday devotion, where you're in, or you're having a way to communicate with God, you're going to miss it. Secondly, if you're a non-believer, all you're going to hear about is repentance, 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 and conviction by the Holy Spirit of your wrong. And you're going to know it. How often in life have you expected a phone call? And because you're looking for that phone call, you don't want to be discouraged. Or you're talking to someone and you don't want to be interrupted or disturbed and you go into a room, what, all by yourself and you let everybody know what, don't bother me right 
now. And that's how it should be also with God. I'm expecting to hear from him. And when he's speaking, I don't want to be disturbed. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want the interruption. Because God wants my attention. But if we've taught ourselves not to give him attention, he's not going to look like he speaks to us. Go over to Amos chapter 4. Get to verse 13 and underline it even for yourself. It gives us one of the ways in which God speaks to us. And it's important to identify what is God speaking. So in verse 13 he says, and it's strange how he kind of builds this up. He who forms the mountains. Can anybody here tell me how God formed the mountains? We can say, yeah, he just heaped dirt upon dirt upon dirt upon dirt upon dirt. But can you really tell me how God formed the Grand Ten? It's unexplainable. And then he uses the other one. He says, and created the wind. Man to this day, he knows wind is powerful, but yet he cannot really describe wind. You can feel it. You can see the results of it. But you can't tell me much about the wind. The wind can travel less than one mile per hour. We call that maybe a breeze. And sometimes we're praying for a breeze. We even try to create our own breeze. And then there's times, boy, God sends such a gust of wind that it uproots buildings and throws tractor trailers around like little toys. The same wind can undistract it. Now, catch this next line. Undescribable. You can't explain it. And reveals his thoughts to who? Now, you got to ask the question. Is that true or false? Does God reveal his thoughts to us or not? I'm, I mean, when we're looking at scripture, i got to ask my question, do I believe this or don't I believe it? Because, see, God who's going to order my steps is going to also speak to me in order to order my steps to give me directions, to teach me. The Holy Spirit can't teach me without speaking to me or giving me thoughts. And he says, he reveals, boy, and he reveals his thoughts. Now what might be God's thoughts? And when you start talking about you heard the voice of God, 
Oh, God's got people ready to put you on the sixth, seventh floor down there at Akron General. They're, they're ready to lock you up somewhere. They're, they're, they're ready to say, you need some medicine. I want you to remember this verse. Psalms 119.29. We are fearfully and wonderfully God has made us that man can't figure himself out. Even though we're continuing to try to research the mind, the body, and it, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And who can know us but God? Our heart is deceitfully wicked. And when you think you know yourself, you'll be surprised what self will do. Who can know you but God? We can't even know ourselves. Even though we think we know ourselves, we even predict that if this happened, this is how I will act. And that's all that is, is a prediction because you really don't know how you're going to act. He says he reveals himself through thoughts. Now, what we need to do is understand the communication, which is sometimes can be very difficult for us because we haven't taught ourselves, in a sense, to really listen to God. We'll go out quoting what the pastor says. How many of you leave the church saying, this is what God says? See, it's not important what the pastor says. What's important is that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And you leave with the thought of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what's going to be challenging your life. That's what's going to be challenging and changing your life. That is the one that's going to give you directions for your life. It's not important what Pastor Brown says. As I speak, what's important that you catch what the Holy Spirit then is saying to you. And you leave with that. It's not that you go, you should have heard Pastor Brown's message. If you heard Pastor Brown's message, you didn't hear God's message. That's just the truth behind it. Because you come not really to hear Pastor Brown, you came to hear the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and your mind. One, you need to understand this. When you're communicating and God's communicating with you, it never goes against what God demands of you. It never goes against what God demands of you, your behavior, your conduct. God will never give you an okay to cuss somebody out. Go at it. Say whatever you want to say. will not give you the permission to do that. Sweet water and bitter water cannot come out the same faucet. He's not going to give you, and I know I even need this sometimes, permission to lay holy hands on somebody. 
it are vengeance, you know, way which is vengeance or damaging to the person. He's not going to tell you because you told him, Lord, I'm poor and I need some money. He's not going to tell you to go rob a bank, rob a store. Well, you're sitting right there in church and they got more money than what they need. Just take that little bit out of that purse that you see sitting open there. He's not going to instruct you in that way. He never goes against what he demands of you. What he requires of you or requests of you as a believer. And when that takes place, then Satan is also communicating with you. And always remember, Satan will take part of truth and twist it. And you will then justify yourself in doing a wrong action that God says no to. No to. Secondly, God will not contradict himself. He will not say things that oppose his word. So you can put that down. God will never oppose himself. He's not going to come back and tell you, oh, I made a mistake or I left something out. He meant what he said. He said what he meant. not going to oppose scripture. Nor will he challenge its authority over your life. Because either the word has authority over your life or it doesn't. And it is the word then that disciplines you and me as Christians, as children of God. It's almost like that old commercial that used to come on TV when the father's telling the son, don't smoke, don't smoke, and the father's doing what? He won't contradict himself. He is not going to give you some new teaching. Understand that. That's what the people of Jonestown and Jones know. There's no new teaching under the sun. Doctrine, biblical teaching is fulfilled in this word. If you hear Melvin or myself begin to teach something that contradicts this word or try to change the personhood of Jesus Christ or his identity as the Son of God and as God, then you run out of here as fast as you can. There is no new teaching that God's just going to give to you. And many cults, you'll find that one person has had a vision or they've talked with God. And, and, and here's something that is totally new and different than what Scripture says. That's what endangers God's people when they don't know the word. They fall for anything that has a R.E.D. or reverend or bishop or whatever behind it. You need to know this word that you don't fall prey to that. He will not change the personhood of Jesus Christ. So Islam says, 
Jesus will come back and apologize for misleading the Christians. And telling a lie that he was the son of God. The Savior. So that's in the Quran. That Jesus will come back and apologize to all of us for lying to us. What are they trying to do? Change the personhood of Jesus Christ, that he is not God, that he is not the Son of God. And many of these cults and many of these things, you will discover they try to change the personhood of Jesus Christ. Now, God is not going to speak to you and say, no, uh, the Jesus of the Bible is, is not who he says he is. When you hear that, you say, Satan, you're a liar. And this is what scripture says. And this is where I believe. Go to Hebrews with me. Chapter 1. It tells us that God did speak. And that's what we have to recognize. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers. Then he tells us how he spoke through the prophets. God spoke through the prophet. Now, don't run past that so fast. That all you catch is God spoke through the prophet. If the prophet spoke the things of God, God had to first speak to who? The prophet. And the prophet is only a man, a human being. But God spoke to the prophet, and then the prophet had the responsibility of doing what? Speaking to the people. So Deuteronomy tells us the way in which you know if it's a true prophet or not is that if the prophet speaks and then it comes to what? Comes to pass. If it doesn't come to pass, then God has not spoken. Have not God said it? Numbers 23. Have not God said it? And then act. If God spoke, he's going to act. If God speaks to you, he's going to act. And you can watch it. Oftentimes, we have taught ourselves to do exactly what God tells us not to do because we are human. Lean not on your own. And if it don't fit our box, if it don't fit our way, if it's something I can't see, if it's something I can't understand, then it stops. Why? Because my rationale, my reasoning, my thinking don't add up like God's. And sometimes when God speaks to you, he's going to ask you to do some crazy things. People thought I was crazy, and I had some men tell me, you you were crazy for leaving Christ now. You'll never have a job like that again. Well, that part they were right. I never had a job like I had at Christ now. 
You don't know how fortunate you are to be in the position you're in, making the money you're making. Now understand, Satan can give you some facts about your life that can be true only for the purpose of detouring you from what God wants you to do. And you have to be wise enough to be able to detect that. But the scripture says God spoke. Now the question is, is this. If God spoke, what caused him to stop speaking? If he spoke in the past, what has stopped him from speaking today? And that's where you and I have to ask. What is it that stops God from speaking today? Let's go a little bit further. Because he says that many times and in various ways. And what? In various ways. He spoke how? In various ways. How can we hear? God speaks, but not in the same way all the time. Just think, if you was out walking your dog and your dog stopped, looked up at you and said, you don't want to go any further. What would you think about you and your dog at that moment? But a man was on his donkey one time. And And the donkey stopped. And the man started beating his donkey. Now imagine the donkey turned around and looked at the man and said, You fool, what you beating me for? I'm saving your life. Because there was an angel in the road that God had placed. The man couldn't see it, but the donkey could. And God had the donkey speak to the man various ways. Abraham with Lot and Abraham's dealing with a couple of angels. And the whole thing is that all of a sudden they appear from in a sense from nowhere and they're there. And Abraham's going to start dealing with him. If I find ten righteous, if I find this so many righteous, if I find this so many righteous as I you won't destroy. But he's talking. Now, wasn't the donkey that time described with a couple of angels, and one of them we consider to be the Lord also in a different form. And then Moses. How do you explain a bush talking? Wouldn't it be nice if you were outside trimming your edges, and then the bush say to you, I want you to go? And then the bush, somehow a voice comes out of the bush. It caught Moses' attention. Even with John the the Baptist, his mom was told that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. 
here's Mary, the Holy Ghost speaks to him, plus an angel speaks to him. Then you got Paul getting knocked off his horse and he hears this voice. But the others don't hear it. In many various ways, God spoke. God spoke. The thing you and I have to learn how to do is to expect God to speak to us and then be ready to receive that and have our antennas up that we can hear. It may come from the most unlikely person that you might hear from God. God may speak to you in a group or just a best friend or a total stranger or just a conversation that you hear some other folks say. But somehow, God reveals himself in thought to you. Now, the question for us is this. Do I want to hear it? One of the most pertinent reasons we don't want to hear from God is that we know the challenge it's going to be. Do what my word says. I don't want to do that, Lord. Lord, you don't know what I'm going through. You just stay in your situation. No, Lord, this is too hard. But I've given you the victory. I don't see the victory, Lord. You're an overcomer. You just stay in it. Oh, Lord, I'm suffering. I shouldn't have to go through this, Lord. How many of you have been in pain and don't want to be in the pain? But have you learned to be able to say God's grace is sufficient? Because <laughs> without the pain, you would never say God's grace is what? Sufficient. Because you learned that God's grace is what? Sufficient. But you would not learn that without the difficulty or without the pain. So the pain has to be there in order to magnify how great God's grace really is. Cast all your cares upon me. He didn't say cast your cares upon him and run. You cast all your cares upon him. And then, as Ephesians says, you stand. After you've done all else, you just stand believing God to work and to speak and to do. But if your mind's already made up to take a certain action, God will let you take it. Because he's not in the business of trying to fight against you, per se. And if your mind is set to do what you're going to do, and then later on repent for what you've done, because you knew it was wrong when you were what? thinking about doing it. God has already spoken to you through his word. That's why he says, the psalmist says, I've hid the word where in my heart, in my mind, that I might not what? 
sin against God. Now, when God will come along, if you're saved, I'm going to do it. He'll come along and confirm his word. And he'll strengthen you. And somehow he has a way of saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. But remember, nowhere does God say being a Christian will be easy or will it be pleasant all the time. Being a Christian can be tough at times and uncomfortable at times. And God, because you say that you're his, doesn't give you an easy road to travel. Why? For God to reveal himself to us. Sometimes we got to be like John in prison. Well, I don't want to be there. You got to be like Peter and John in prison, like Paul in prison. And sometimes life is like in prison. But guess what? In prison, those men learn something. The power of their God. How do you sit in prison and sing songs of praises to God? And yet see God open up the doors. And sometime in our life, in our prisons, the only one who can really open the door of freedom is God. And he speaks to us while we're in our captivity. He'll speak to us while we're in our pain. He'll speak to us while we're suffering. I learned one thing. Every time we go to the hospital, God has an appointment for me. And it took me a while to learn that. I'm not going to the hospital, just go to the hospital because of a situation I might be having. I'm going to the hospital because God's going to introduce me to somebody to speak to. And he does that. Well, the time they ran away. And I'm just getting started. But we'll pick up next week. Because we're going to go to John 12. Why? Because what we're going to talk about next week is this. The confusing voices. In John 12, the confusing voices. You can look at it in verse 30. The confusing voices, unless you teach yourself to really discern God's voice, and even then you will question sometimes. But there's so many voices that come across our minds that it's difficult to discern whether it is The Lord is good to us, and we really want to hear it. And we want to be there at his feet 